2: on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as
0: co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats.
1: I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough... Introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people.
2: If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. The
1: numbers told the story they always do.
3: This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. It's one of those idiots who believe
4: in analytics. Hour number two of a numbers game here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa network, Fubo, sling Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. We appreciate it as always. It's Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay, producer number five and eight is here as well. The Grover Cleveland of producers. Glad to have him back in the fold. Shout out to Stephen Bond for a great three days here on set in uh, in, in Jeff's stead. Uh, later, Pete Futak on college football. The first eight bowl games this weekend. We'll get his read on those and beyond. In uh, this hour, though, before that, I want to get into this. I've been excited to have this discussion on for uh, with this gentleman for over a week now. Ever since he got eliminated, I know it's sort of just, you know... Not not a conversation you want to have because you don't want him to be eliminated, but once he was, a conversation that I've been looking forward to have for over a week. Uh, Circus Survivor is down to 23 now out of a total of 4,080 entries. 23, which means the intrinsic value of each of the remaining entry, entries is above $260,000 now. Nobody got eliminated this past weekend. But the weekend before, five entries were eliminated, all on the Minnesota Vikings in their last second loss to the Detroit Lions Uh, Joe Pita was one of those five. He was the owner of one of those remaining five entries. I lived it with him every single play while I was at Allegiant Stadium watching the Raiders and Washington play with Red Zone in front of me, and I just slumped in my chair when it happened because I know what it meant to Joe. But fear not, ladies and gentlemen. Joe is here to tell you that all was not lost. Ladies and gentlemen, the author of Trading Bases... And also the uh, Joe Pita tour guide of the Masters, the definitive analytics take on the Masters tournament at
2: Augusta. It's Joe Pita. How you doing, Joe? Very good, Gil, and I, uh, I'm i glad that my pain in Survivor will make for good radio. <laughs> I hope it will. We're going to get I'm
4: going to warn everybody here, so we're going to... We're going to go through all of this. Now, it's going to get to also, it's going to get to some really interesting stuff about how, it, uh, how Joe's strategy and Survivor changed through the year, what he thinks about with how many entries he's going to have next year, that sort of thing. But it will, will crescendo into some math. So we'll try to, the, the whole point of this here is not to, uh, you know, to sympathize or to give Joe virtual hugs, although, you know, we certainly want to do that. But to, to show that a guy who has a Wall Street background like Joe, if you're ever in a situation, you listening to, to what Joe was in one time in your life in a survivor pool and other pools, there is an optimal way to really um, target a monetization goal and to secure a, an amount of money. And so we're going to go through that. But Joe, just in terms of that day itself, take us through your emotions as that went on.
2: Yeah, as we'll get to, I had to go to Reno to do that monetization to try to uh, extract uh, uh, value or a percent of, or you know, a target value of the of what the intrinsic value was. And uh, to monetize that, I had to leave the state and go from San Francisco. I had to go up to uh, Nevada, and so I went to Reno because that was closest for me. And uh, but you know, got my action down, got got my portfolio of plays together, and by halftime, I was like, it's over. <laughs> the you know, the Vikings they did. You know, they did not. They were up six nothing, and then they just turned terrible. And I realized, uh, oh, this is over. Um, there's no reason for me to stay here and suffer through this. I might as well get home. Um, I had a pending play, as we'll talk about later, on the Chiefs Broncos game that afternoon, but there was no reason to put it in at this point because my ticket was going to lose. So I started driving home, uh, and I had a buddy, Scott, who, like you, was living and dying it with me, and I told him I was leaving, and I wouldn't even be watching the second half, and he said, do you want me to text you? And I was like, well, you know, my car is text-enabled as I'm driving, so yeah, okay. But I was going to be going over the Sierras, uh, Gil. Unfortunately, it wasn't snowing or cold, so it wasn't white-knuckle driving, but it turned into white-knuckle driving as the text started pouring in um, as he was giving me play-by-play.
4: Giving you play-by-play as the Vikings mounted a comeback. uh, Just enough to get your your hopes up, uh, only to have the uh, the Jared Goff play at the end uh, torpedo you. But the point of you being here is to sort of give an education, and this is this is uniquely I would say you you may not from your perspective, but I would say from our perspective, this is something that that you're one of the you know percentage of people who can really speak on with intelligence. You do have the finance background, the wall Street background uh, and so one of the things you want to talk about is you know you'll hear people say, "Oh, well, it's time to hedge," and so I'd like for you to explain what it what a hedge is specifically with wording. And the difference between that and what you eventually did, but let's start with the basics because you were listening to the Megapod the other day, for instance. Sure. Let's go from yep. there.
2: Yeah, Mike Palm was on talking about, and it was stuff I was hearing all the time. Like, oh well, you're going to make a lot of money. You know, you, you, there's so few people left. You're going to make a lot of money no matter what happens. And my reaction at the time when, you know, I was keeping it to myself, but when, when I'd hear it from friends and from even bookmakers and, and other commentators, and my reaction was, Oh, yeah? How? Why don't you tell me how? Because it's not that simple. And now, though, now that it's over, I, I, it's much more of a, hey, let's talk about how, because it, it was a process. And when Mike Palm was on talking, uh, you know, he mentioned that he met an entrant that came in two, the same weekend that we're talking about here. And he said to them, hey, are you hedging? And they said, yep, we've put $5,000 on the Jets money line. Um, so that meant that they had taken the Eagles to win. And my whole thing is that's not a hedge. It feels like a hedge because you say to yourself, I can't lose both bets, right? I'll be happy one way or the other. But what a hedge should do from a you know financial, from a security standpoint is a hedge should be a transaction which raises your floor while reducing your ceiling. And if it does one of those at the expense of the other, it's not a hedge. So for instance, everybody holding a ticket before week 13, we had the same floor, which was zero, if our team loses, and we had the same ceiling, which potentially could be $6 million. So by just betting the money line, like our friend did with the Jets there, um, well, the the Eagles won. So he's out $5,000. And yes, $5,000 is a very small percentage of 214, which is what the intrinsic value was at the time. But you see how that's not a hedge because his floor went from zero to negative five. And now the question is, what are you gonna do next week? Are you gonna, you can't just bet five because now you're trying to recoup that five. And Mike also mentioned that they had bought six entries to begin with this this group in particular. So you're really down 11 now. So are you gonna bet 15 this last week? Well, again, everybody advanced, which means your Moneyline bet would have lost again. So now you're in the hole, what, 20, $25,000? It gets hard, Gil, right? You're chasing at this point. And as you can see, like, sure, if, if you get, if you make this transaction in, in the last week of the pool, it is a perfect hedge, because you'll get paid on either side. But before the light, you know, there's four, five more weeks left, counting the Christmas week. Are they gonna do this five more times and keep building this hole? And what if they skip a week? Like, that's what I say, so the, that's not a hedge. There is a perfect hedge available. Um, and I know we've talked about this. The perfect hedge would be to sell a percentage of your ticket, right? If you, you'll say, hey, I'll sell somebody a 10% equity stake in my ticket, um, and they, if they pay me 10% of the intrinsic value today, that's a transaction that truly raises the floor – Right, and reduces the ceiling um, because if you've sold ten percent of your ticket um, when when the uh, uh, when the intrinsic value was two hundred fourteen thousand, you would take in twenty one thousand four hundred, right? And your new uh, ceiling would be five point four million, right? Because in, if you want six, you'd have to give away ten. Uh, so that's a perfect tag.
4: Let's let's put up some Our, hypothetical examples just for visual for people who are more visual, Joe. So here, let's say your intrinsic value was a hundred thousand, just to make it in, just to make it easy. Make, yeah. Let's say you sell uh, $10,000. Let's say you sell 10% of your ticket. Well, then your floor becomes 10,000, and your ceiling, 10% reduced from the total prize pool of $6 million, would be $5.4 If you sold $20,000, uh, 20% of the $100,000 intrinsic value entry, then your ceiling would be 20% less of $6 million. That would be $4.8 Next uh, sheet here, uh, we'll just continue this one more, and this is, this is also, this is now the, the Joe Pita intrinsic value. Your intrinsic value was 214,285.71 at the time. So if you sold 10%, uh, there would be your floor. There also would be your ceiling. Again, 10% less of 6 million. Let's say you randomly chose, I don't know, I want it to be $50,000. Then we also see that it's about roughly 23% of your 214,000 that would be your ceiling 4.6 million and if you sold the whole thing right there is the obvious floor and ceiling you would just be up 214,000 in the whole deal accurate. that's accurate correct
2: That's right. That's monet. Selling the whole thing would be monetizing your intrinsic value in its entirety, and you'd be giving up any future gains. Uh, That's correct. And presumably, if you sold it for that, that person would then want to make the picks going forward. Uh, But yes, those are perfect hedges because they are they're accomplishing what you want to do. Unfortunately, yeah. um, a market doesn't exist to do this. Uh, but this would be the same philosophy sort of as chopping, right, this is, chopping is, is, is if, whether it's a portion of the pot or the whole pot, this would be the same thing. A chop would be a perfect hedge as well. Okay, but that's not available. But that, but
4: all that we've just discussed. Now, here's <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a break here, and after the break, and we'll get to the part about how Joe is gonna play. Uh, you know how he how he played Survivor differently as the year went on. What he's thinking about in terms of the number of entries he's gonna have next year. We'll get to all that in a bit. And by the way, there's a whole nother part of this story that was going on concurrently with Joe. Uh, doing this with his survivor pool and and living through the obsession and the the roller coaster that is your survivor entry that has a, a total pool of six million dollars. Is there something else that was happening that was awesome at the same time? We'll get into all that. But in between now and then, it's going to get a little it's going to get a little mathy for some people. But obviously, what we just went through, as Joe said, that's not available. You can't have this available necessarily. And so then, if you don't, what do you do? to actually target a monetization number or a percentage? What do you really do? Only from the background of someone uh, who has been on Wall Street and who has really sort of the means to do this. This is next with Joe Peter, Numberscape, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. CNN Underscore's
3: Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
0: Hi, I'm Antonia
1: Blythe and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree.
0: watch what you want when you want immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4k picture and sound for every budget with sizes for every room find your perfect
3: phillips roku tv today online or at your local walmart and sam's club a numbers game with gil alexander on v Network.
4: The college bowl season starts this Friday, and Veasan has got you covered with our all-new bowl betting guide. Get matchup analysis on every bowl game, including insights, trends, data, and predictions to help you make your best bets. Whether you're betting on every game, playing contests, or just want to find a few key high-value props, the Veasan College Bowl Betting Guide can help give you an edge. Get your digital copy for only 19.99 at Veasan.com/slash subscribe. Skill Alexander, we get tweets at beating the book. Always appreciate the uh, feedback. Edward J. Perez, good morning from Visalia, Gil. Listen every day and driving to work right now from Visalia, California. We were commenting on Dan Bespers' hat moments ago. Mike Lowry, loading up the family and heading from New Mexico to Buffalo on Friday for my son's 18th birthday. Rest Alan. hope Trubisky starts. Remind me to make a pit stop in Vegas and address this energy you're trying to speak into existence. Fist bump. Yeah, man, I think that's the play. And then uh, Mike Zills, Duke 90. Who was listening to our conversation with Joe Peta? He says no one's paying full intrinsic value since no way to monetize unless down to last two three weeks. Mike Mike Zills, that's exactly the point of that first conversation. We just wanted to set the table for how this is unlikely to be available in any scenario, right? For it's it's not it's not that anybody has access necessarily to any sort of uh, sale of a portion even of their of their position. So we bring back Joe Peta in the author of Trading Bases, uh, which you probably know him best from and all his appearances on the Beating the Book podcast and on a numbers game through the years, Uh, Wall Street guy for many, many, many years, most of his adult life. And so, Joe, without this option then available to folks, right, without them being able to sell a percentage of their ticket then, how did you go about your Sunday?
2: Yeah, so the first thing I did, Gil, was say, okay, how much would I – Do I want to monetize out of this and that's for the remaining 23 people like that's a question to ask themselves like what percent of your ticket would you give up to put into your ticket uh, to put into your pocket now and for me I chose okay once it got to 200,000 which was when it hit uh, 30 people before the uh, Seahawks uh, Redskins game or the Seahawks Washington football team game Um, and of course we lost two people in that game to get down to 28 but that's when I said to myself okay It's worth 200,000 now, I gotta get $50,000 out of this. So that was the plan the next weekend. And I had to do it in a way that wasn't, you know, that that was true to hedging. Um, If everybody, the key to that is if everybody advances, i can't lose money um, because that could go on you know all all the weeks so it was then and this is where it gets a little mathy but the question was from sort of from a security standpoint you know if you're holding a security what are you really long and short and of course everyone realizes hey by picking the vikings i was long the vikings you know short the lions and to you know to cover that part and if i want to win fifty thousand dollars if the lions win that was pretty easy right the lions were a plus 280 um money line play so that meant getting down just under twenty thousand dollars uh to uh, on the lions and i think it was like 17 or eighteen thousand would pay me 50 and that was the first piece and that was done but as we talked about with that jets example that's a problem if the vikings win um and so The other thing to realize is that's not my only position because there are, you know, in this case, 23 other people in the pool with other picks. I'm actually on the opposite side of all their picks because my intrinsic value will change if their pick loses so and we've decided i'm willing to give up 25% essentially that's 50,000 over 214 i'm willing to give up 25% of that gain in intrinsic value so and this is where it gets mathy 10 people had chosen the eagles right well if the eagles lost that was going to be worth um you know if the it, Let's use simple math. If the pool had gone from 40 people to 30 people, the intrinsic value goes from 150 to 200, a gain of 50. I'm willing to give up 25% of that. So that's the amount I have to bet on the Eagles. And I do that for every game that other people have picked based on the number of people have picked it. And so I was putting money line plays down on Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, um, Miami, who was playing the Giants, and the Eagles playing the Jets the biggest bet was on the Jets. And we don't have to get into the weeds there, but when you added them all up, I essentially had down, uh, I had about $50,000 down on those teams to win about 20, because they were all you know, fairly big money line favorites, except the Eagles, that line was coming down, which really helped. Uh, I knew I was gonna have to bet the Chiefs game to sort of round that out at, four, at the four o'clock, but I held off on that. And Gil, when you put them all together, it's actually a very elegant portfolio, because I had about eighteen thousand dollars on the Lions to win fifty, and I had about fifty thousand dollars on all the other people's picks to win twenty. If everybody advanced, the reason that's elegant is it essentially all nets to zero, and that's the key. The that means you've got a proper portfolio together, and you've actually created a synthetic. Um, sale of whatever portion of your uh, you know you've, you've created a synthetic split for whatever percent you've targeted now you got to keep doing it every well you don't have to keep doing it every week um, but that's sort of the plan and let's look at it the other way what if I lost all of those bets if I had lost all of those bets if I'd lost my eighteen thousand dollar bet on Detroit and I had lost the fifty thousand dollar on all those other favorites well I'm out sixty eight thousand dollars but now there's only five people left in the in the contest um, because only Minnesota won. So yes, I'm out 68, but and I'm going to have to do it again next week. But my intrinsic value value has just rocketed higher, um, and I knew if it got any bigger, I was going to have to go to Vegas because there were limits in Reno that I was probably bumping up against. Um, but that's the play. It's to realize that once you know you're not just long and short the game you've picked you're also long and short every other game that got picked and you need to ha- you need to be you know putting an opposite play in there in the correct proportion and if you do it it's elegant but there are two loose strings there are two loose strings that everybody should be aware of gill and One of them is three-mile island level of core (laughs) meltdown. It's a remote chance, but it was out there, and I had to take that chance. I think I could have solved it in Vegas, Um, and I don't know if you can guess or if anybody can guess what that is, but the problem is – the if detroit and minnesota tied right that was truly i was not hedged there and i that was sitting out there that could have been a i could have lost everything right i could have lost all the bets i was making and i'm out of the pool i tried to solve that in reno by asking for to buy half a point i wanted to get the lions plus one half point the bookmakers there. They were baffled, let's just put it that way. And I couldn't get it done. And I was literally asking to be robbed (laughs) because essentially I was asking for a a prop on will there be a tie? And I was willing to pay 10 or 15 cents on the money line for that, which was something like a 33 to 1 chance of, of a tie occurring if they charged me the full 15 cents. And, you know, of course, we know there's never been. You know, there's never been three ties in a 256-game season, right? So we know it's less than a 1% chance. Um, And I was asking to pay like 3%, and they wouldn't do it. Um, So that was out there. The other point is, the other sort of less drastic problem is, it's much easier to do this or much cleaner if all the games are being played at the same time. Because if the Lions win, I really don't need that hedge on the other favorites. Um, so kind of a bad scenario for me would have been um, Lions winning, Eagles losing to the Jets. I put on a, a, a parlay, you know, line parlay on those two events. So that cost me some money insurance-wise. Um, so th- that one you can kind of take care of. But that tie, you really should be, uh, you know, you've, I figured if I came to Vegas, I could find a bookmaker to sell me that half point. Um, but uh, I was not successful doing that in Reno.
4: That is glorious, Joe. That is that is an awesome, awesome description of, of how you thought your way through it. I hope everybody paid heed to that. And and you're right, right? So the idea in your head was that you would do this in subsequent weeks if, if it was all a wash in that week, right? So if if the Lions ended up with the with the loss of, let's say, nineteen K in your case to win the fifty, and then all of the other bets won relatively the same amount it would essentially be a wash and you would rinse and repeat moving forward a real quick before the break there was a there was a Captain Jack thing on Twitter did you see this the other day where he was having trouble figuring out something this was related to what you were doing too right
2: yeah, it's a way. It's again of thinking about things in security format. He had he had commented on an article, um, as you call him, the commissioner or the future commissioner of sports betting. Yes, he had commented on an article on I think Fanduel and and uh, DraftKings offering uh, uh, correlated parlays, and he said you really can't tell how much they're building into it and i was like oh y- yes you can yes you can and the way you can do it is to realize that that your correlated parlay if it's a two event parlay it's just one of four possibilities if you want to see how much juice is built in just price all four parlays you know like you know if you have like I say, if it's a, a two-event parlay, there's only four different ways it can happen. Add up, add them all up, and you can find out how much the books are selling their $100 bill for. And it would probably be for like $120 or something. But that's the way to do it. Again, think of it like a security.
4: All right, when we come back, Joe on how his survivor strategy changed through his experience and what he thinks about doing next year. How many entries, that sort of thing. That's next on A Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Game with Gil
4: Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Save 50% off of a VSIN all access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits showing you where the money's going on every game. Sign up today, and you'll also get our daily best bet emails, weekly betting guides, 24 7 video, plus our all new College Bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at VSIN.com slash subscribe. skill Gil Alexander on a numbers game. Joe Pita joining us. By the way, you can follow Joe on Twitter at Magic Rat SF. We get tweets, power play picks. That was an awesome segment with Joe. Uh, Captain Jack Andrews has chimed in here. Uh, he said, great show today, Gil and Joe, about the Survivor Hedge plan. One note, I meant it's difficult to price out the correlation between events in a same-game parlay. They aren't independent events, so you can't price them out individually. Um, Dom Perry Yan feels like I just got free tuition for an advanced sports betting degree. Joe's an incredible guest and a great listen. Hashtag a numbers game. Joe, um... I didn't know if you wanted to to say anything to the Captain Jack one, first of all, before we moved on. Uh, You know, that's a great point. It would help
2: if I had the article in front of me. Yeah. Um, I meant that you can at least see how much the books are charging you to offer that correlated uh, uh, parlay by adding up the price of all four sides, because one of the four is going to hit. And if there's, you know, if. If it all adds up to you know like we talk about golf futures sometimes if they're selling that hundred dollar bill for 130 or 135 dollars it's probably none of the sides are actually value
4: okay before we get to the part about how it's how you change your your strategy on survivor throughout the whole course of this experience this year and how uh it's caused you to think differently perhaps about next year uh, we've sort of buried the best part of this story And so while you're, let's start with the, you were getting texted by your buddy, Scott, as you're driving through the Sierras, you're getting this almost play-by-play on the Vikings comeback against the Lions. And then that horrible, at least from your perspective, the the horrible last drive of the Lions that ended a touchdown. But in in the middle of that, he sends you a text that you were
2: confused by. Let's go from there. sure. So it was actually right when the Vikings were within a score. And Detroit has decided to go for it, like at their own 28 or 29, I think, on fourth down. Uh, setting and the, and the Vikings are only down two points, I think, at that point. By the way, just touching on our last point, when the Vikings had a two-point conversion to try to tie it with about ten minutes to go, I was very happy when they did not. <laughs> you did
4: not want the nuclear that. scenario. So,
2: that's right. I'm yeah. like, if, either way, whether it's overtime or here, they're going to have to outscore Detroit in the in, in a ten-minute time period. I don't want a possibility of a tie Um, so right so we're down near the end of the game and he's like fourth down they're going to go forth there's a timeout and all of a sudden he sends me a text he's like "Uh, Tampa Bay may kneel here not sure if they're going to have to kick and he's like "Uh, Indianapolis easily going to cover that game's about to end and after he sent me a few of those like sort of updates especially on the Tampa Bay game I finally you know voiced uh, I am in a car so it was a voice text respond why are you telling me this (laughs) because all I cared about was Detroit Minnesota and he said oh he goes because if Indianapolis and uh, Tampa Bay cover you've just about mathematically locked up the booby prize in circa millions for the quarter and I was like oh yeah okay good thought yeah that matters (laughs) I had forgotten
4: about that little detail yes so explain yeah. to people, you won while all this was happening, you won the Circa Millions quarterly booby prize by going a remarkable one in nineteen.
2: Yeah, well, I was one in eighteen and then I had it was locked up at one in eighteen, and I did miss the bills. Well, our I got correct the bills oh, you got that uh, correct. New England Monday night. But it was game already locked up. So two in
4: 18, eighteen. Pardon me.
2: Yeah, and I was having a nice season in Circa Millions. I was hitting 60% plus a game and a half, I think, over that mark through week uh, nine. And then on week 10, I went one and four. And my buddy Jack said to me, you realize you have to play for last place now. And I'm like, why? And he said, because it pays $25,000 and you'd have to finish 15th or higher in the final Circa Millions standings and now you're below 60%. Like that's not going to happen. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So for the next three weeks, Gil, I did really try to go 0 and five. They essentially were reversals of my picks. Okay. And I hit an 0 and five, and 0 and five, and then 0 and four when it was locked up. <laughs> so I did hit 14 games in a row in the midst of all this survivor stuff.
4: Okay. I gotta stop you here. This is the part where I'm like, wait a minute. So you you can purposely like this was this is why Michael Montesano, by the way, was texting me. Michael Montesano won the year long booby prize at Circa last year, and he says from one booby prize winner to another. Congratulations, he says to you on all of this. And I, I'll ask you what I asked him last year was like, what do you mean you so you got the one and four by you know, cause you were trying to go five and oh and you ended up with a one and four, and then you you were able to just automatically go oh and fourteen on the next fourteen? Like, how do you do that? Come on.
2: It was it was just reversing the pick skill. And it's funny because now I'm still kind of needling my buddy Jack because The whole time I was hitting 60% and they were like straight three and twos. I think I had a four, a three and a half, and a two through the first nine weeks. Everything else was three. And I was like, this is kind of nice because if your baseline is 60% on your bad weeks, if I could just catch a hot streak, I might be able to finish in the money. And, you know, I just hoped it would come. Uh, It did come. (laughs) It just came in the form of me reversing those actual picks. But, you know, there was, I, I don't think my, my, I don't think my, my calculation of who I'm going to pick changed. I was trying to pick the winners and I just. You know, I took my five best picks and just reversed them. And aren't you, yeah, because, on the hot aren't you upset?
4: Aren't you upset because you could have gone fourteen and zero then, right? Like, aren't you like a
2: little well, a little bit? Because if I had gone, I would have had thirteen more correct in the overall standings, right? In, yeah. In by going one and fourteen, um, and that would have moved me very close to the top twenty. So that's why I say I needle my buddy Jack a little bit. Unbelievable. Uh, and then I, I did go three and two this week, re trying to get them correct. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was still great to cash in in the millions for sure
4: okay so then how did your survivor strategy change through this
2: year yeah if you remember Gil we talked it my my obsession with Survivor started right there in that booth with you when we watched the Chiefs Giants game at the beginning of November when it first when the field first started to thin it yeah. started with that Bengals uh, uh, Jets game the day before we locked up the and... studio that night <laughs> That's right. And and sweated through the uh, uh, Chiefs. And at the time I had three picks left and I had two on the Chiefs that night, as you remember. And at that point, I only entered four to start the season. And kind of like you, I thought the redundancy was unnecessary, that I was simply just going to be doubling up on picks. And, you know, I was going to, I didn't see the point of it. And I also the whole time had been thinking paths to 20 and 0, right? Like I'm going to have to take 20 different teams over the course of the year if a bad team presents itself, you got to think about taking them, etc. And I really changed ab- about that time into thinking this is a survive and advance contest because if you get to 20 and 0 through a conventional path, there's going to be dozens, if not hundreds of other people that are gonna get there and that's when I started having the conversation with you like how many people do you think are gonna get to the end because I started thinking you know if there's 200 people that are left at the end and there was an excellent chance at that point um, you know hey that's a $30,000 prize and that's awesome but that's not really playing for six million dollars no and it was after that Chiefs game that I said to myself I've got three entries left and I could see the, and if there was no more carnage I swore to myself I was going to, on Thanksgiving, take the Lions, the Raiders, and the Saints with those three picks. Because, like I say, if I would have taken three favorites or two Dallas and one Buffalo, et cetera, then I'm playing for $30,000, right? The idea that there'll be a couple hundred people left. But if I'm going with those upsets, I'm truly playing for a large number. And that's and I did think to myself, if it gets up to you know six figures, then we'll talk about some monetization. And I remember you doing the thought process with Jeff um, around the Thanksgiving and the, around that Raiders thought game.
4: exercise. Yeah,
2: thought exercise. Yes, and I remember at the end he came back and he said, "I kind of see what you're talking about." He said, "I'm thinking about what's the highest probability of me going 20 and 0." And and I kind of like and and I kind of realized he was like maybe that's not the right game theory and I just liken it to poker. I mean, you hear poker players saying it all the time. I'm not trying to win the most hands. I'm trying to win the most money. And that so my survivor thing now is it is survive in advance. I'm going to have six entries next year, all with the idea of getting it to a critical mass when there's not a ton of people left. And then, you know, and even truly my picks in the last couple of weeks, Gil, they were more—they were as much playing my opponents as they were playing my cards.
4: Yeah, you—you you are actually echoing what I said at the beginning of the year, where I said I don't think you map it out. I think you play, survive an event. You play it tight. You play it con- conservatively the first five, six weeks. And then when it's sort of you know at that time that's what we thought it would be you know to to shrink it and then you play it to win then you go game theory at that point obviously it happened much later in the season uh, this year Joe we got to run but I can't thank you enough man great great explanation appreciate it so much man
2: always a pleasure Gil thank you Joe,
4: thank you Jeff Joe Peta everybody at Magic Rat SF yes enjoyed that Thanksgiving thought exercise coming back college
1: football with Beefy Tag next.
3: Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: All the football and basketball action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000 and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odd specials. From epic touchdowns to spectacular slam dunks, the king of sports books takes every play to a thrilling new level. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to betmgm.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000. To make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. That's big. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You catch this, Jeff? A couple big Vegas bits of news. One, uh, the Super Bowl is going to be here in 2024, not a surprise. Usually when they build new stadiums, a Super Bowl is part of the package. So the Super Bowl will be here in 2024 at Allegiant Stadium, baby. Let's get ourselves some seats. What did you say on the break? That this one of the events that doesn't matter the, the, how much?
0: Doesn't matter what the cost is. You've got to find a way to get there. Yeah, especially when
4: it's the especially Washington. Especially if we're
0: still all living here.
4: Especially when the Washington football team takes their NFL best record into that game. That kind of thing. Did you imagine? No. Um, and then uh, the other thing is... Uh, MGM are proud sponsors selling the Mirage to Hard Rock. How about that? You see that coming? The Hard Rock gets back in in Vegas on the Strip? The Mirage?
3: Really? Pretty wild stuff if you had asked someone 10 years ago that that would happen.
4: The Mirage, growing up on the East Coast, the Mirage was the property that marketed to the East Coast. So all my boys, like they love, all the D.C. guys, it was all about the Mirage back in the day. Mandalay was sort of marketed pre-MGM to the West Coast, and then when it was all under the MGM full, people were like, hey, why is like this more West Coast? Because that's how it used to be marketed way back when, so now it's the Hard Rock. The only sort of similarities is they do have a lagoon back there in the back of Mirage, so that must have been their thing. They're like, hey, lagoon, that's ours. Let's buy that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he knows a thing or two about lagoons. It's Pete Futak from College Football News. How you doing, Peter?
3: They used to market the Hard Rock uh, to me back in the day and to my crew as the cool place to go. All so, right, uh, I guess that's the. Have you ever been to a Super Bowl? Have you ever actually like gone to one of these things?
4: Yes. I went to the, 19, the January 1992 Super Bowl in the tropical destination of Minneapolis. Which I even noted. Wow, it's right. Yes, I even noted at the time. I was like, "This is the Super Bowl I get to go to." Uh, But Washington beat Buffalo that day. Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet. The greatest team of all time, according to Football Outsiders, the 1991 Washington football team. Super Bowl Yeah, champions.
3: that's not true, but okay. But look, the thing about that... Wait, wait, hold on, in hold, in on hold,
4: hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You stop right there. According to Football Outsiders, and they, their numbers okay, go all yeah, the way yeah, back. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, it, It's not. It's not. It's just... Look, look who they beat. It's good. They couple losses. Look who losses, they beat. But, what
4: you, you have no idea what you're talking about here. Mark Ribbon got sacked seven times. Stop it. All year. Stop it. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop it. Are we done? It
3: anymore? was a nice team. It was a nice team. A nice it was not <laughs> It was good. It, oh, uh, I'd God. still argue the '84, '84 uh, uh, 49ers probably was right up there and deserves that. And I could make another few cases. Not the '72 Dolphins, though. That is that that we have to come Oof. to agreement on. That is absolutely not the best you. But no, growing up in Minneapolis, they they always marketed it in like. They try harder in Minneapolis. They get you. They throw more alcohol at you and things like that because they they realize it's a cold weather city. It's like, nah, it should be in Vegas and places like that. What that's, I thought. What I thought, you're,
4: what I thought you were going to ask me is, have you ever spent a day at the Hard Rock in Vegas? Or no, to which I was going to reply, yes, a day or two. Um, a day or two, a night or two. Yes. Let me uh, let me ask you about the Army Navy game. This was for all of those of us betting the under. <laughs> despite the total, right? It, it got as low as 34 and a half. It climbed a little bit up to 36-ish, which is where I got it the day of. And I went under, and it was it was 7-7 seven to seven midway through the first quarter. It was like, 10. Like ten, instantly. Instantly. And even I think Brad Nestler commented, it's like a Big 12 game broke out here in the Nestler voice. And um, I was like, oh, well, this thing, we've got to really slow down the score. It was 10-7 to seven at the end of the first quarter. And wouldn't you know it, under once again seventeen thirteen Navy. You can always count on Army Navy. By the way, you hear the handle on this game, Pete. The handle on this college football game, standalone Navy Army, was better in some shops than every single individual NFL game a Sunday, but the uh, with the exception of the Buccaneers Bills and the Sunday night game. How amazing is that?
3: In- insane. It never disappoints with the under and. You know, look, you know that that was you were we were talking about this, like, okay, if it really is going to hit the under, that was a high spread to be giving away to Navy, who, as we commented on, played better teams than Army. I mean, Army ripped up the Bucknells and the u of the world. Uh, and so it wasn't all that it was I was shocked that they won, but to cover and it to go under that low and cover, I, I guess that was really the play, right? I mean, in, in hindsight, but, uh, you know a fun game it's it's very entertaining as always but it just kills me because i know how those option offenses work that that go pattern down the sidelines it's there every play white you have to try it <laughs> at least once they like refuse just just, tr- yes. just try it. just russell wilson up once and just just lob one down the sidelines and just let your 6-3 receiver go get it it's right there you have single coverage it's just so maddening but Obviously, those guys know how to run their offenses better than I ever would. So,
4: yeah, well, maybe so, Peter. Maybe so. Let me ask you about <laughs> uh, the first bowls. Obviously, north of forty bowls, man. Uh, it starts with two on Friday. We'll get to the six on Saturday, but the two on Friday, the Bahamas Bowl. Between Middle Tennessee State and Toledo, I believe you had a Middle Tennessee State ranked 118th out of 130, I believe, before the season yeah. started. Uh, the Bahamas and
3: they still probably there.
4: Bahamas Bowl, site of the worst beat of all time, not only in college football, but in any sport ever on planet Earth in the history of mankind, uh, Western Kentucky, Central Michigan back in the day. So it's Middle Tennessee uh, and Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl, and then the Cure Bowl, Northern Illinois and Coastal, Coastal big favorites there. Toledo, big favorites again. Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State, both double digit favorites. What do you like?
3: The the key of these bowl games is is one you just never know because they don't follow regular season logic and reason because they're bowl games. So in general, the the idea behind these is that the matchups are supposed to be relatively even. So if you're getting a double digit underdog. If you can't decide, go with the double-digit dog to cover just because, again, these are supposed to be even games. The key to the, Toledo, the Bahamas Bowl is will Middle Tennessee come up with the four takeaways that it needs to get? It leads the nation in, turn, in takeaways. Toledo doesn't turn the ball over. I kind of like Toledo in this, weaving with the points because their offense is just that good. And on the flip side, Northern Illinois, it's the MAC champion for a reason. They're going to be able to grind it out a little bit. Coastal Carolina struggled at the end of the year. I don't really like going against Coastal Carolina, especially after getting a lot of time to rest up. But still, giving Northern Illinois ten and a half points, that's a lot. So I would say Mac on one side with Toledo and Mac on the other side with Northern Illinois. And if the Mac loses both these games then you know, just go against the Mac the rest of the bowl season, and you'll probably be okay.
4: All right. And then on Saturday, we've got two NFL games, which is awesome. But we have six bowl games. Count them. Six. Let's go. Let's go. Like you're going to actually count them. Six. Um,
3: There's 43 of them actually overall. So that's it. And they just keep coming. Yeah. Just turn on the TV and at 10 o'clock. Actually, by 8 o'clock in the morning, your time, you're going to start getting bowl games. So it's going
4: to be crazy. Yeah, 43 when you throw in the two national semis. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's from morning to night, as would be expected when you have six. Talking Boca. New Mexico Independence Lending Tree, New Orleans—you know the deal. Uh, the the closest of the lined games here on a Saturday is going to be the is going to be the Appalachian State Western Kentucky game, where App State is favored by three. There are three others that are double digit favorites. What is your favorite play of Saturday, or your favorite couple plays?
3: Uh, I would have to say Fresno State. I think in normal times, if this was played on an October afternoon, Fresno State would annihilate UTEP. Uh, there is the question mark about the, the loss of the head coach, Kalen DeBoer, to Washington. Jake Kaner, their quarterback, was leaving. He's probably going to go to Washington. Now he's back. Now he's going to play. Uh, Fresno State, if it tries and focuses, it just wipes out UTEP easily on this. And I actually like Appalachian State to do the same format to, to Western Kentucky that UTSA did. Run, run, run. They're going to run for about 350 yards in this game. I kind of like App State in a high-end shootout, and I think that's 68 kind of low. I think this this is going to be back and forth. This is going to be like, you know, 45-38 or something like that. So I like the over and upstate.
4: And I guess I won't talk to you before the Monday game either between Tulsa and ODU. Uh, Tulsa favored by uh, nine and a half. Any thoughts there?
3: Yeah, I don't want anything to do with this game because Old Dominion was hot over the second half of the season. They're going to really care. They got a fun offense. Tulsa's a lot better. I'm gonna sheepishly pick Tulsa right now, but I don't like this game a whole lot. All
4: right, should be an in-game fest on all of these, the early bowl yes. games, that's for sure. And remind everybody as we go out here, your favorite single bowl game bet is?
3: I'm afraid that like, I'm missing something obvious here because it's flipped, it was SMU favored over uh, Virginia. Now Virginia's favored over SMU by just two and a half. Brennan Armstrong is back, last game of Bronco Mendenhall, SMU's bad at college football. To me, I it, again. Bulls always blow off logic and reason. Virginia should annihilate SMU in that thing.
4: All right. Besides your blasphemy on the '91 Washington football team, I've enjoyed it, Pete. Other than that, thank you. I sir.
3: can't. I can only tell you the facts. I cannot change them.
4: You're gone, Pete Futak, Everybody at Pete F I U T A K on Twitter. Lombardi Line next. Lombardi Line with the great with the great Dave Ross. Enjoy from Visa the Sports Betting Network.